thank you for making the nerds. I'm Scott Clark, and joining me as always is the Ron Burgundy to my brick Tamlin. It's Daniel Ruby. Daniel, why is it that you're so much better at everything that we do, especially making survivor lists? Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, I don't really know, mate. I guess it's just a sort of inherent innate ability that I have. Well, my name's Ferd. <laughs> To the keen observer, some of you may have realised that that's not actually Fod, it's it's me, Roby. I was just playing around with you. Did I fool you? Did I fool you, really? Um, no, actually, Fod, Fod's not here. Uh, I'm doing the intro now. Look at me, I'm the host now. <laughs> um, yeah, so, funny thing about today, um, we recorded a podcast in two parts. One of the halves uh, didn't get sent to me in time, so uh, I'm splitting them in two, and I'm making two podcasts. I can do that. I, I, I can do that, because I'm the boss, because I do the editing. <laughs> so, so we're going to have a shorter podcast today and a shorter podcast tomorrow. Tomorrow's podcast is going to be, we got the podfather himself, old Giles, in. Uh, and we talked a lot about how Survivor is doing in terms of ratings and in the eyes of Channel 10 as well. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting talk. I really enjoyed it. Um, but that tomorrow. I will get that to you all tomorrow. I promise. But for today's episode, we had fun with drawing comparisons with the remaining Australian survivors to um, who we think in the US seasons could take their place. We sort of each drew comparisons to former US survivors and the survivors that are on the island now. We base that just on similarities in gameplay, in looks, in styles, in alliances, all sorts of things. Um, it was just a fun little exercise we did, and uh, and I clearly had the better list. Um, no, that's not true at all. Uh, I had a slightly better list. <laughs> it's fun when Fod's not here. <laughs> not here to defend yourself, are you? Who's the big man now? <laughs> uh, 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 it's 3am and I'm delirious. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so tomorrow you can be expecting a bit of a discussion between the Podfather, Fod and I, about the ratings of Survivor, how it's doing, uh, what it's looking like for next season, whether there will be a next season. And the second half, today's episode, we'll just be drawing uh, US Survivor comparisons. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. We certainly enjoyed recording it. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening to it. So without any further ado, here is our episode. Which former US Survivors could take the place of our current Final Five? Enjoy! Please, please enjoy! I demand you to enjoy. Enjoy it. <laughs> I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to edit this and go to sleep. Bye. Here we go. As we mentioned last week, we said we would try and have a look at the remaining survivors and and see if we could find comparisons for them from the past season of US Survivor. Daniel, did you do your homework? I did do my homework, mate. It was an interesting one. Um, I found myself opening up the wiki of all of the survivors and I went through season by season and... Some of them, a couple of them were quite easy, I found. Uh, some of them, some of them I was stretching a little bit, but um, I, I have got arguments for all, the, all of the choices that I've got. Uh, I've even preempted a couple of your choices. I know that by your tastes in beers, you're pretty hipsters, so I'm guessing that all of your picks are obscure and elitist. Yeah, well, I, I myself am quite obscure and elitist, so I try to keep that fairly consistent. I, I went with a different strategy. I tried to find uh, from the current survivors what it is that I thought summed up their character mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then looked for other characters that had fit that type. I have got to admit that what I 
What I did do is that I, I didn't look for the obvious one. There are some where their character type just kind of jumps out. But I tried to go a little bit deeper, both to kind of challenge our audience a little bit and, to be honest, to impress you. <laughs> well, God bless you, Shani. Uh, and it'll make proof for some uh, a little bit more interesting conversation too. I went slightly different way. I just sort of uh, tried to draw parallels between the runs that the, our our remaining Aussie survivors had and some similar runs that Americans have had, um, combined with you know overall looks and general place in the tribe and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I think it'll be a good one. Fantastic, and we will just because we're hyper competitive people try and decide between us who has got the. Uh who has made the better comparison. If you disagree with who won, try and be nice to Daniel. He tries very hard. But if if you do disagree with who we, who we decide, won, decide won, jump on the Facebook, let us know either that one, that one of us should have been given more credit, uh, it's me, or that you've come up with a better comparison than either of us. I'm almost sure there's going to be a couple of people listening just furious and shaking their fists at whatever screen they're looking at um, with something obvious in mind, but um, I'd love to hear it. So throw it on the social media if you, if you want to um, get the conversation going again. Or if you don't want to, that's fine too. All right. So who do you want to start with, Daniel? I don't know. I, I guess the first one I, that sort of came to mind was my Lee comparison. So let's start with Lee. All right. So opening up the innings. Lee, I have... Uh, he's an athletic guy. You know, he's the strong silent type. Pretty easygoing. Pretty quiet. Not too attached to this whole idea of strategy. I have linked Lee up to Ryan O from Pearl Islands. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Uh, he's going. You've gone kind of uh, with very much the challenge ability there, uh, as well as kind of the straight up and down mindset. I, yeah, I think that's pretty good. So he's sort of like he's he's athletic. He's a he he was an asset to his tribe. They both had the the similar situation of coming from a tribe that was basically decimated. Both, when they were merged, were on the were on the side of the fewer numbers. Kind of polite, gentlemanly sort of vibe going about them. Neither of them would really stand a chance to make it to the finals due to their physical uh, abilities. I don't think anyone would let them get to the final three or two um, unless they can just go on some sort of furious run. Uh, Rhino obviously never got that chance. He came a long way from there. But um, yeah, uh, I think that over the next couple of vote-offs it's going to be Lee 100 if it's not maybe there was a few coconuts shaken loose in the night and some people suffered brain trauma but uh, we'll see the main similarities between Lee and Rhino is just sort of neither of them are really making moves they're quite happy to just be a number in someone else's plan you know and by extension haven't really put anyone offside okay I, I took a slightly different tact on tack on it I definitely agreed with um with kind of the physical ability thing, but I went with someone who preaches strength and preaches honour all the way through the game until it becomes inconvenient. You haven't given him coach, have you? And then just gets either gets frustrated or turns into a bit of bit of a bully. And I, I, I've got two. I've gone with Tom Westerman from Palau mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Terry Dietz from Panama. All right. Uh-huh. Now, both of those guys are slightly older gentlemen than Lee, though they, though they were both very good performers in the challenge challenges. Both of them had kind of done the, the, the white hat we're playing with honour thing. For Tom, he did it right up until the point that at the end he was worried that he wasn't going to go through from the final three to the final two, in which case he bullied some poor young boy into making a stupid decision. 
Poor old uh, Ian. Yes, poor old Ian. Uh, Terry Dietz in Panama was in a similar position to Lee in that he was on the on the outside, but kept winning challenges. And right at the end, when it looked like he was when he lost the challenge, he got uh, a little bit sulky and a little bit petty with people voting him out. Ah, uh, Terry versus Aris, just one of the great love stories of Survivor. Yeah, and turns out those two are very good mates uh, off the screen now. But I thought. I thought especially after seeing the way that uh, Lee had interacted with Christy over the last couple of days mm. uh, that I, I got a very Westman vibe off that. Yeah, I, I like the Tom comparison. And it, it is odd because Tom actually did go on and win that season. He did. I, yeah, I, I especially like the Tom comparison because of the, the one scenario that Tom got in. He was really finding it tough to um, pull the trigger on backstabbing someone outright. But uh, as soon as Ian made that uh, that sheepish uh, statement to him that you know he he doesn't he doesn't know if he could take Tom or he said something something earnest along those lines and Tom jumped straight on it and made him feel like a complete piece of shit. Basically, he found his excuse and he ran directly at it. Basically, what uh, Lee did with Sam. I was pretty happy with the Westman comparison. Um, mm. I think the your basic problem with Rhino is that uh, we never really saw Rhino at the top of his game and he was always kind of easygoing and relaxed. Whereas I think the last few episodes, Lee hasn't been easygoing or relaxed. He's been quite domineering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose you, I mean, I suppose arguing is your sort of forte, but I mean, we haven't really seen Lee at a survivor best either. I mean, he's just sort of been fortunate enough to make it through way deeper than Rhino. I mean, um, I see them being super similar in a lot of aspects, but uh, I do like the Tom comparison, so I think I might defer to that one. Oh, thank you kindly, sir. I suppose there's no way we can follow Lee with anyone other than L. So let me get it out of the way. The obvious comparison for L is Amber from All Stars. That's interesting. I didn't think that was an obvious comparison, but, but okay, cool. I just thought the other member of a power couple doing a lot of the consultation and sitting in the background, playing the social game, but letting the other person kind of be the upfront with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I thought that was the obvious one. I do, have, I do have another much more hipsterish one in my back pocket, which is Natalie Anderson from Blood vs. Water 2. Okay, as in the winner? Yeah, it, I, it's odd that Elle got two winner comparisons from me. But um, okay. I'm, Not- I'm drawing the comparison between the relationship between Jeremy and Natalie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that kind of they they were a power couple, but everyone kind of feared Jeremy in that, which meant that Nat, Natalie could kind of fly under the radar a bit. But in reality, she had a finger in all the decision making. Uh, she 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 was exerting a lot of soft power behind the scenes, and it wasn't really obvious that she she had been doing that until right towards the end. And I think there's a bit of that to L. Yeah. Okay. That's not bad. Uh, I've gone for a very similar comparison. Just. I think it might be a little bit more apt. I've gone for Chelsea from One World. So that's that's Kim Spradlin's offsider who uh, was basically dragged all the way to the end just to lose to Kim. Yeah, you know what? That 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 is better. Yeah, I think so. Um, but it's basically everything you were talking about. Uh, they're both, you know, quiet, good-looking, athletic girls, not very strategic or at least active in terms of um, doing strategy or uh, uh, making moves or anything like that. Uh, they were both in a sort of similar core alliance. Chelsea and Kim Spradlin sort of had theirs from the get-go, but Elle fell into hers after uh, she was poached uh, and fell in with her good buddies, Brooke and Flick. 
the only real difference there is that Elle had Lee in her back pocket and Chelsea didn't really have any backups apart from apart from Kim. She was just sort of happy to go with Kim. And um, yeah, Kim was also very happy for Chelsea to come with her. Yeah, and look, I, I think both Elle and Chelsea did a good job there in that they did a lot of the social work. Like, mm-hmm. as in, every everyone liked them. They were friends with everyone. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's not how I read it, but possibly. Okay. Uh, look, I, I, I think we're basically arguing versions of the same character here but yes i, I do believe both so. because i both because i actually prefer chelsea to natalie anderson and because i think it's a better comparison i've got to go with chelsea on that one very gracious thank you sir one on one who's uh who's next on your list uh well i guess the next one on my list is matt speaking of old tom from palau earlier i have compared matt to ian from palau yeah i can see that okay so basically you know, they they both, you know, cool, pretty friendly, super affable, super likable, cheery, smart guys. Um, they've got very niche jobs, the two of them. Matt being the uh, a mentalist and a magician, and Ian being a dolphin trainer, which is dope as all hell. If you put those two together, that's a Vegas show I would go and see. Yeah, fuck, fucking amen. Make some dolphins <laughs> disappear. Um, both were pretty fortunate to be on super tribes that were formed for different reasons, but basically pergonged to the other teams. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of similarities there. And therefore, the the alliances that both of them made were very fortuitous in, in the same vein. They both found themselves on the bottom of their alliance late in the game for different reasons. Matt, because everyone sort of just targeted him as being very strategic. Obviously, he's very likable. Hadn't been active in making a lot of the decisions and was therefore a bit of a threat uh, Ian, because he was clearly going to win if he made it to the finals, so he was just bullied into submission. Um, yeah. What else have I got here? No, I think that all works. I've gone with a similar thing in that I've gone with people who were kind of coasting in a safe alliance until late on in the game when they realised that maybe they weren't in the right position and were able to turn something on for the last few in this game. Now, I've gone with the, uh, the oft-talked-about but very, very seldom put on record. I've gone with the cross-gender comparison, and I've got his comp as being Jenna Maresca or Michelle from the most recent season. You really do like picking winners, don't you? I uh, think every single one has been a winner? Uh, yes. No, Terry Dietz. Apart from Terry Dietz, though, yes. Um, but I think in... Jenner especially in Amazon had kind of floated floated along, had had a, a good buddy and was part of kind of a safe alliance. And then close to the end of the game, friend of the podcast and podcast favourite, Rob Sestanino, pulls a fast one on Jenner and her alliance. Jenner suddenly realised that there's more going on in the game than she thought, starts playing a lot harder in that last week than she had thus far and manages to pull it out at the end. Similar story from Michelle. I don't think Michelle's strategy towards the end was quite as forced as Mareska's, uh, as Jenna's was. But I think uh, both of them, if you can imagine the best case scenario for Matt's game at the moment, it's the Jenna Mareska or Michelle edit. Okay, yeah. I mean, I can, I can sort of see better the Jenna Mareska comparison, especially just with her Amazon run. Yep. I think your Ian know. is probably yeah. closer, though. I think I'd probably prefer Ian. Um, only, only just because 
um, gameplay-wise and situationally, they seem to be a little bit more similar. And personality-wise, obviously, Matt is closer to Ian than he is to Jenna Maraska. I don't know. I have no idea how Matt would feel about flashing for food. <laughs> Not very well. I mean, I haven't seen that. I, I, I haven't seen his AFL jersey come off yet, so maybe he's got some gnarly tats that he's trying to hide. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm happy to go with Ian there. The big thing that I was putting across is that someone who had kind of sat back and not done a lot until late in the game can wake up and can still go on and win the thing. Indeed, indeed. All right, shall we go with Christy next? Sure, let's go with Christy. Uh, well, I have down here two names that I guess that you were going to compare to. I have Okay, who did you go with? Uh, I went with... You mentioned it last time. Uh, I went with Michelle from Co-Rong. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, she's socially... She's she's a bit of a butterfly. She's she's pretty friendly with everybody. She's keeping everyone, you know, sort of relationship-wise on side, regardless of how the votes are coming down. Um, she's got some very subtle activity going on. Some could describe that as very lucky. I'd probably be one of those people, but, you know, you could you could look at it both ways. It could be a very... Um, subtle activity for a very blessed run. Um, very similar positions. Both of them had their main alliance broken and ended up as floaters in their tribes. Mm-hmm. So they, they both attached their wagons to someone or someone's. A majority of that alliance was voted out and they ended up just being, as Christy has, has referred to herself as being the floater. Uh, Michelle did exactly the same thing uh, and made it just as deep at this point in the Strand game. Uh, and then they were both victims of their numbers being lessened by team swaps. So regardless of how well that alliance that they were in early on go- would have gone, um, their teams got switched up and they both got the raw end of the deal there. Okay, I can see that. Both kept themselves out of the firing line um, as they weren't threats. They, weren't, they certainly weren't challenge threats. Uh, and they stayed out of most of the drama. It kind of doesn't entirely go for Christy because early on she went full Abby Maria and I thought she was going to be one of the next ones off, but somehow she decided to either actively calm herself or I don't know what the deal was there because it was a pretty hectic blow up and she was super neurotic and she's still pretty neurotic these days and lots of lots of anxiety and that sort of that sort of thing uh, where Michelle didn't really have a lot of that going on, but um, a, mi- a mild difference. And towards difference. the end, Michelle... Michelle did make some shrewd moves towards the end as well. Yep. Uh, before uh, I before I reveal my choices, though, Daniel, who did who did you think I was going to say for Christie? I could see arguments for both Sandra's game and Dawn's uh-huh. game. Yeah, you got one out of two there. So hey, the two that I've gone on. with, the two that I've gone with, uh, I focused a little bit on the fact that they coasted. Uh, I fo- focused a little bit on the fact that. They managed to get people to always kind of reveal their plan without ever committing to doing doing anything. Mm-hmm. They managed to have their fair share of emotional breakdowns, do lots of hand-wringing uh, and moral kind of do I, what's the right thing, but in the end they, they still managed to uh, make their way all the way to the end. I've gone with Lisa Welchel or Dawn. Remind me, uh, Lisa. Lisa is Survivor Philippines. She's the oh, former right, child the, actor. The child actor, yeah, 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 okay. Who, who came back and teamed up with Michael Scoopin. Uh, yep, that's right. Who mm-hmm. uh, opened brackets, omitted by choice of lawyers, closed brackets. <laughs> and this, the two of them go all the way to the end with Denise, who then quite rightly wipes the floor with them at final tribal. I think both Lisa and Dawn 
both floated a little bit. They both had that knack of getting people to come and reveal their plans to them, which Christie has shown as well. They both kind of would at every at every vote kind of wring their hands or cry and say, I don't know whether I can do this game anymore and then just go ahead with doing mm-hmm. doing what they were doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they both they both had a great habit, as Christy does, uh, of reframing what they had already done within a narrative of being a lot more decisive and active than they actually were. Yeah. I I like the Lisa and Dawn comparisons. Obviously I can see the the arguments for Dawn since I Babe Ruth it, but um, Lisa is very similar in that same vein and just not quite as dramatic of reactions as Dawn had, even though both of them basically played a very similar game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I could be convinced either way on this one. Um, I think it's hard to evaluate Michelle fairly. In the Tribal Council, she went up against Aubrey, who a lot of, a lot of the Survivor community, a lot of the big fans really thought Aubrey had played the best game. Uh, and that Michelle kind of lucked out with a bit of a bitter jury. So it's it's hard for me to kind of look at Michelle fairly. I would say, though, she she did make a couple of big moves. She did flip with the original Chicken Lover tie, and she she did make a, she did make a kind of a few big moves, and she was more actively social than I think Christy has been. While Christy has kind of always been the bottom of whatever alliance that she was in, Michelle, through different parts of that season, was kind of at the top. I certainly, I, I like the comparison. I think in terms of the challenge threat that both of them pose uh, and their personality, eh, I think Michelle's a little bit closer there. But I, I just think for the way that the narrative played out, you can't ignore the anxiety and the hand-wringing of Christy. So I, I, I'm going to push a little bit for Lisa and Dawn on this one. Yeah, I, I like Dawn. Let's pay Dawn. It's, it's pretty damn accurate. Fair enough. So I think that's got us at... Well, there's one more. We only got to do Flick to do. Yep. So have we... Is, we've done... We're two all going into Flick, are we? Indeed. All right. So I believe you've attempted to Babe Ruth my Flick selections as well. So who do you think I've gone with on Flick? Yeah, I thought you went Amanda Kimmel for Flick. Um, that would have been my first... That would have probably been my first choice, but I've gone for someone slightly, well, you can't really say more obscure, but um, a little bit more appropriate. Well, I, I, I think, first of all, I need to say that uh, my namesake for this podcast, Amanda Kimmel and I, are both strongly insulted by that. Um, <laughs> say, say what you will about Amanda Kimmel's ability at Final Tribal. She got there, and she got there by being very savvy and very active in... in uh, in those two seasons. Flick's not out of it yet, man. She could very well be sitting in the final two and she could very well lose it by as much. Yeah, I I, I actually went with two blood versus water females, actually. I went with uh, Jacqueline or Sierra. What I went with, and I'm thinking of Sierra from, from the first blood versus water, the one that Tyson Apostle won, that these guys were in a good position within a larger alliance and they were within a two that gave them power as well. Uh, but they kind of misjudged where that two sat within the large alliance and made a move a little bit too early that kind of doomed them in the game. So for Sierra, she voted, she voted her mum out. She put all her eggs in the basket with the, with the uh, returning players and misjudged her, her place within that. 
And by the time she realised she'd done it and tried to flip with Hayden, it was too late, and Tyson had a stranglehold on the had a stranglehold on that game. Okay, yeah, uh, I can see Jack- that. With Jacqueline, her her and her partner John were sitting within a large larger group, and they made the decision early on that they were going to try and become the swing votes in that group, siding sometimes with um, Baylor and Muffin, uh, and sometimes with Natalie Anderson. And all that meant was that it was easily, it was much easier for Natalie to get rid of John. Uh, and Jacqueline, while she stuck around, was kind of treading water after that. She, she had done herself out of her ability to win at the end there. And I think that might be where we were with Flick. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm just thinking about Jacqueline now. My God, she's pretty. Um, all right, well, I went a slightly different route, but for similar reasons. I think that Flick is best represented by Stephanie in Stephanie's Guatemala season. Here we have two very young, attractive women, both incredibly capable. When it comes to socialising, getting boys under the thumb, etc., etc., building great alliances with um, fellow females, both very active when it comes to game playing. Um, Whether it's a good or bad thing, it's beside the point, but they were were both giving it a go. Both Both of them are making moves. Both of them had that one key move um, where they turned on their friend, uh, both of them coming under very harsh scrutiny by the jury and certainly by the person that they voted out after making certain promises. Flick, obviously, with Brooke and Steph getting rid of Judd. If everyone remembers Guatemala, basically... What the hell is ADD? (laughs) What the fuck is ADD, man? Fuck, man. Judd, man, I don't know. That's not my fucking beer, man. I had my beer, man. But basically, as soon as the two tribes was were switched, Steph and Judd became very, very close buddies. Uh, there was a loved one's reward where Steph was making big promises to Judd's uh, wife. Uh, and I believe it was even that episode, uh, she decided to turn on Judd and go with another alliance. Judd being absolutely fuming from that from start to finish. Uh, he really gave it to her in the tribal. Uh, and I think that Brooke is going to be somewhat along the li- same lines as Judd. Very hurt. Didn't see it coming at all. And both of those moves I don't really think made sense in the greater scheme. Uh, obviously, as an outsider um, looking in uh, for both of the girls' plays. Both of them are in this interesting spot where they get a lot more heat than I think they probably both deserve. But both of them got it anyway. Uh, later on, Stephanie was cast in heroes in the hero squad in heroes versus villains uh, i don't think flick would be granted the same service i think steph got that vote more for her first season than the guatemala season though right yeah 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 totally i think jacqueline choosing to play the middle and really doing herself a disservice that allowed her to limp on with the game but closed out her end game at about six i think it's a pretty good comparison but you know what? We're both too competitive. I certainly prefer the Jacqueline comparison for sure, uh, and it makes me think of Jacqueline. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I could be I could be convinced either way. I'm... I was going to say I, I think we're both too competitive, at least when playing the meta game to give the other one the victory. So I think we should probably throw it out there to the fans. Anyway, just the fans. Who am I? I think we should throw it out there to the listeners. <laughs> um, if you if you think that my comparisons were better then jump on the Facebook or the Twitter and let us know. If you haven't seen some of the seasons and therefore don't realise that my comparisons are better, then jump on the Twitter and Twitter or the Facebook and say that you thought Daniel won. Or even better yet, hit us up with your own conclusions. I'm sure there's plenty out there that I just haven't thought of or oversaw. 
yeah, we'd love to hear it. Pretty in- interesting uh, line of conversation to go down. But yeah, that was a bit of fun. Um, I'm going to probably make up a really horrible MS Paint version of all of these survivors and put them in Fear Fear or in Tribal or do something stupid and th- chuck it on the Facebook. Well, this sounds exciting. Uh, we, we will table our, uh, our favourite survivors of all time uh, to be done at another uh, for another podcast, something in the off-season perhaps. We do probably need to talk about how we're going to run for the finale week, Daniel. Indeed. So from what we can understand, it looks like there's going to be three more episodes, a Sunday, a Monday, and a Tuesday. Oh, that, it came so quick. I didn't do the joke. Um, so the... on the <laughs> Right. Anyway, we will do our usual Monday podcast where we'll recap the two episodes up until that point. I suspect that by Monday night we'll be, if not at the, the final two, then we will be at the last challenge to get to the final two. There is the slightest chance that each episode might just be so exciting that we might do one show per episode. If there's an extra little podcast waiting there in your little podcast basket, consider it a cherry with love from us. But um, yeah, more than, li- more than likely, we'll, we'll be doing one podcast for uh, Sunday and Monday, and then we'll be doing our finale, fi- finale podcast. I will give fair warning. If we do record a Sunday night podcast, uh, be careful. Uh, Daniel and I do plan on starting drinking at about midday on Sunday, so it, it could well be more colourful than usual if we do that one. <laughs> we got the explicit tag on iTunes. We're covered. So, yeah, so because it is the finale, we will, we will immediately jump on on Tuesday night and do a recap. Uh, it may not be a long episode. It may just be our immediate thoughts and reactions. And then depending, depending on how long we, we go on Tuesday night, we'll come back on Wednesday, do a wrap-up, do some thank yous, and talk about what might be happening during the off-season. Sounds good. I can't wait. I can't wait to see who ends up winning, even though I have a feeling I know. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, sports bet. You fucking clowns. A big thank you to, uh, to Giles Hardy for coming on and lending us his expertise today. Uh, a big thank you to Patty and the Rats for their theme music as always. What album's that from again, Daniel? The song is called The Captain's Dead. It's from the album Tales from the Docks. It is on iTunes. It is on Spotify. Go check them out. They're, they're our boys. They are the official boys of the Merge podcast. That's it. I, I only have the album in the original Hungarian in front of me, which makes it hard to read quickly. But um, Lies! If, if, people, if people want to find us on Facebook and Twitter, how do they go about it? Facebook.com slash The Merge Podcast. If you want to jump onto Twitter, it is at The Merge Podcast. Beautiful. Uh, well, thank you very much, Daniel. We're, as we head into the final week, uh, you and I are tired, but I reckon we'll probably find a second wind. So I guess there's nothing left to say, Daniel, uh, apart from let's get excited about this last final week and thank you for making the merge. Can't wait. Thank you, guys. Peace.